Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy. And drinks. And drinks. And awesome discussions from fans just like you. Sorry. (laughs) Jumped the gun there. What are you drinking? I got my drink on. That's why. Um, I am having Hacienda de Chihuahua tequila. Whoa, Tom, party time. In my current geek shot glass. You're literally drinking shots of tequila on the show. I am sipping this because this is not shooting tequila. This is good sipping tequila. It's, it's sipping. Sap, sip, I was going to say drinking and trying to make it sound like sipping and just turned into like sip on. Sapping. Sapping. What does that <laughs> sound? Um, I don't think anyone else but your eagle ears can probably hear it. It's but pretty loud. There's construction next door. Oh, okay. It sounded like you were playing the rim of a glass of water. Oh. Or something well, like a, that. Or like I don't think that's what you're that's not the construction next door. No, then. it is. I can hear okay. it now. But right. but to my to my to my ears not knowing what it was, my wild imagination turned it into something of beauty. See what's what's funny about that. Whoa, what just happened? Uh what's funny about that is I ask if people can hear that construction on DTNS all the time, and people are like, no, I don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. But just Eagle me? Ears Belmont. <laughs> Old Eagle Ears Belmont. She's, she's like, is that a drill? Is that a, is that a Makita? Is that a Makita <laughs> 300 circa 1994? <laughs> I can't help it if I'm very good at my job. I know. All right? no, you, yeah, no, you, you should be proud. What are you drinking? Guess. Wine. No. Same bottle of wine. Same bottle of beer that I've had on the, the show. The same bottle the- of no, beer? No, 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 no. The same, the same six pack. So basically, oh, okay. this 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 six pack of beer has lasted me since the second to last episode of Game of Thrones. Which one is this? Mission. Omission. Omission. Mm-hmm. So I could just pull the link out of a previous episode. Yep. <laughs> yep. I've got one more after this. So maybe next week. So you you don't really like it that much, is what I'm. Hearing. I don't drink beer regularly. Mm-hmm. I don't think when I'm at home I'm gonna have a beer. Mm-hmm. I used to when I played World of Warcraft. I used to but, really love having a beer with World of Warcraft, but I don't really do it otherwise. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. But why? So why are you picking beer suddenly? You used to pick wine. Is because you don't want to open a whole bottle of wine. That's right. Yeah. I do Makes have an sense. open bottle of wine in the fridge, but it's kind of been in there for a while, and it's not that great. Yeah. So this was a Might better be choice. Might be good on salad dressing. Oh, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Is a that a thi- olive oil? Hmm. Fascinating. All right. Well, let's Welcome finally to sword and cutlery. Let's finally move on to some book talk with the quick burns. The nominees for the 2016 World Fantasy Awards have been announced, Ba-ba-da-da. and uh, by the way. Lifetime Achievement Awards will be going to David G. Hartwell and Andrei Sepkowski. 
The reason I know how to pronounce his name is because he is the author of this month's or next month's book pick. Yes, I, I didn't. I, I had no idea this was happening. It was just a complete coincidence. Um, uh, you know, I don't think it has anything to do. Oh, he, by the way, is the author of the Witcher novels, uh, which were originally written in Polish um, and are now translated into English. I think there's still two other books in the series that are, are waiting to be translated in, in 2016 and 2017, respectively. Um, but he's a, a renowned author author of great renown uh, across the world and the series is apparently great uh, so we're going to be kicking it off with the first book in that series the last wish uh, but we'll talk more about that later in the episode but yeah huge congrats to to uh, david g hartwell and andre sapovsky sapkovsky 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 yeah. and my apologies for probably russianizing that i don't speak polish okay fair enough we're having similar issues as we did when we read um uh, up and not updraft um the uh, Naomi Novik novel, uh, Uprooted, uh, Uprooted, Uprooted, Uprooted. Yeah. which, by the way, is nominated in the novel category for a World Fantasy <laughs> Award, <laughs> along with The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin, uh, The Chimes by Anna Smale, Headful of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay, Savages by K.J. Parker, and The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. Yeah, this year's theme of the awards is uh, Flights of Fantasy, uh, and you can see all the nominees over on tour.com. So congrats to everyone. Lots of great awards uh, every year. It's always so fun to see what's what's nominated and what's what the themes are, and, and, and uh, it's, it's good stuff. How is Updraft not in there then? Mm, flights, flights of Fantasy. Of Did it fantasy. miss the cutoff or something? That's a good question. I wonder. I wonder. Uh, David says, uh, Story Bundle is offering a selection of the best Japanese science fiction in their Haikasoru Jap- Japan Sci-Fi ebook bundle. Um, works include Ken Liu's a Hugo-winning short story, uh, Nomo no Aware, and Locus Award anthology nominee, Hansai Japan, among others. I'm hoping I pronounced the winning story, <laughs> Hugo-winning story correctly, and it's not Mono no Aware. I, I think I got it right, but who knows? Uh, David says, given the interest in international science fiction, I thought this might be an inexpensive way to sample some SF from a Japanese perspective. That's awesome. Yeah, this is a cool looking bundle too. Uh, just, just you know, if you're a book cover fan, you might want to look at it for no other reason than that. Uh, but Legend of the Galactic Heroes looks interesting. Uh, a, a perfect world. There is no escape. Harmony. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Something going on there. The Future is Japanese is uh, a short story collection that we mentioned. Gene Mapper by Taiyo Fuji. So yeah, uh, if you want different stories, maybe different worlds, different perspectives. It's discussions, Tom. Our, our logo is different worlds, different discussions. Yeah, that's whatever the, uh... we say, that's what I say. Uh, hey, let me change the subject to Takeshi Kovach while we're talking about hard to pronounce names. Altered Carbon, as you may know, is being turned into a Netflix series, and they announced at Comic Con that Renee Elise Goldsberry, currently on the Hamilton musical stage, Ooh. will play Quellchrist Falconer in the upcoming Netflix series. That's great. Oh, I'm so excited about that. And thanks to Paul for submitting that story. Um, I I can't remember who that character is. Who is that character in that oh, book that I read? Oh, she's the revolutionary. She's re- leading the revolt against the United Nations Protectorate. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Still don't remember. And she's Takeshi's love interest. You don't remember Oh, okay. That? I remember okay. that. That's okay. probably, I should have led with that. I buried the lead. <laughs> Rob says, uh, Admiral Thrawn... 
Thrawn is being officially re-added to the Star Wars canon. He says not only is it going to be making an appearance in season three of Star Wars Rebels, uh, there will be a new book coming out next year by Timothy Zahn, simply called Thrawn. Now this, I think, is an example of what Disney and Lucasfilm are doing so right, which is not forcing Grand Admiral Thrawn into a movie where, because he's blue, people might feel it's a little weird. Also, people love his heir to the Empire appearances. They wouldn't be able to make those be the same, especially if they put it in like Star Trek Eight or something. It's the wrong timeline. So put him in Rebels, where it's happening before the books that are no longer canon. So it's not going to conflict with anything there. And then, to top it off, invite Timothy Zahn to say, hey, help us reboot this character. You created yeah. him. Uh, make make him canon again for I us. did remember that. Okay. I was like, I feel like I remember we talked to Timothy Zahn about this character. It was all coming back to me yeah. somehow, amazingly. Um, so that's great. That's that's great news for him, too. He's so wonderful. What a great yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm really excited uh, about this. I'm really happy for him. He seems to be pleased. Uh, he didn't have much that he could say. Uh, but he's in a statement that was read at Comic-Con. He thanked Dave Filoni uh, and the rest of the Rebels crew for giving him the honor. And he said, I am very pleased with the direction they're taking Grand Admiral Thrawn. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we got Alex sending us a note that Anne and Jeff Vandermeer have just released a 1200 plus <laughs> page anthology containing 97 short science fiction stories called The Big Book of Science Fictions. Uh, it's not just fiction, not plural. The stories range from 1897, uh, a story called The Star by H.G. Wells, up to 2002, Johanna Sinisalo's Baby Doll. They also cover the breadth of the genre of science fiction, space opera, hard sci-fi, cyberpunk, new wave, and more. Uh, you will find the likes of Ursula K. Le Guin, Cixin Liu, George R. R. Martin, Octavia Butler, Harlan Ellison, Jorge Luis Borges, and more. You will not find Robert Heinlein, and the Vandermeers have said they wouldn't give us the rights. The Heinlein estate didn't let us reprint the stories. Wow. Yeah, so apparently they put out a call um, a couple years ago, according to io9, for recommendations, um, basically for this massive project. And yeah, as Hein as uh, as Vandermeer said, Jeff Vandermeer uh, wrote into io9 saying that Heinlein's works weren't included because of that reason, uh, which is too bad. That's too bad, especially when it's in such good company. Um, there's a lot of fantastic authors: we, Arthur C. Clarke, Ray Bradbury, Octavia Butler, as you mentioned, uh, Greg Bear, John Baxter, Cory Doctorow, uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, I mean, Samuel Hardelaney, like C.J. Sherry. There's yeah. tons of amazing authors, many that we've read, and and uh, that would have been a good addition. But you know what? What are you going to do? What are you going to uh, do? It, it's going to be a fantastic collection, nonetheless. I am almost tempted to make it a pick, but it's so darn long. That's a lot. plus pages. And it would be super hard, I mean, to, to really... And how do you really discuss yeah. 97 You'd stories? have to talk about all of them, or, I mean, they're... they're <laughs> Poor Rob. They're He's not already even... Like, they're, like, no. They're not even tied thematically, I mean, other than no. just being partly, you know, in the sci-fi genre. There's so many different kinds of stories there, it'd be impossible. But I, I think it's a great book to just have for your own personal collection. Yeah, I need to add this to my wish list because mm -hmm. I definitely want this for yeah. sure. 
Thane says, uh, Chronicles of Amber is going to be brought to TV. He says, I don't know if Kirkman is the right guy for it, but I'll certainly give it a shot. Roger Zelazny uh, might just be my favorite author. So there's some more Zelazny news. Um, yeah, Robert Kirkwood has been uh, brought on uh, to work on this project. Kirkman. Kirkwood. Kirkwood. Kirkman. Uh, yeah. Robert, Robert Kirkman. Kirkman will be working with Robert Kirkwood in a different project altogether. <laughs> um, so this, yeah, I'm excited about this one too. I have not read Chronicles of Amber, um, but I'm always excited about new fantasy coming to television. So that's that's my big draw. Yeah, and I, I like what Robert Kirkman has done uh, since he was given a little more control over The Walking Dead. Uh, uh, he's he's not the showrunner. Frank Darabont is gone, though, and Frank Darabont was taking it in a little different direction. And I think Kirkman looking over things has kept that show looking good uh, and, and coming back to enjoyment. So I I also am not going to pretend that I'm familiar with the Zelazny stories being, being done here. But I know they're beloved, uh, and so... As with all of these things, it now makes me start to think, okay, should I finally get around to reading one of these before it hits the air, or do I just watch the TV show and read later? It's a perennial question. My Brian Brushwood always says, watch the movie or TV show first, and then you can enjoy more detail by going to the book. But I've also often been the subscriber to the theory of you should read the book first so you get the pictures in your head. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of reading first watching after because I just feel like you get more content through the book and then you can kind of make judgments based on what they've included and what they haven't and and kind of be critical not necessarily in a bad critical way just in a thoughtful way about why they included the things they did or took out other things and I like kind of critically thinking through that um so yeah but I don't know haven't read those Here's here's the, one of the reasons I brought up Brian Brushwood saying that is that American Gods mm. came out with a trailer at Comic-Con that to me looks note perfect. As I remembered and imagined these characters, this looks very much like what I imagined. Uh, Neil Gaiman is apparently very excited about it. Thanks to Ian for posting the trailer in here. And Brian said, I'm going to go have to go back and read the book again. Because he's already read it. Mm -hmm. He's like, because I want to solidify the picture in my mind before I watch this TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I actually, when I watched the trailer today, I had the same thought. Yeah. I had the same thought that I kind of wanted to go back and reread it. Uh, It's been so long. I mean... I wouldn't mind refreshing my memory on things so that when I'm watching, I don't go, wait, is that the way it happened in the book? Uh, Which can kind of distract me. But apparently, all the things Neil Gaiman wanted in there are in there including Mm -mm. (laughs) all of the things around media if you recall no mm, i mm, wasn't media i was thinking about which one i was thinking huh bilquis the egyptian goddess she's the one who eats you with her vagina oh i thought that was media no it's not media where did I get that idea then? Well, you're just excited because you've seen pictures of of marilyn monroe at with uh with um um oh my god Oh my God! What's her face? Um, oh my God! Jillian Anderson as Marilyn yeah, Monroe as media. As media. Uh, no, I. That's not why. Then I don't. <laughs> I, maybe I you want it. to I remember that. I read it. Somewhere. Maybe you want. I'm, you I'm, wanted I, Jillian Anderson. I would. Scene? Under, I would admit that if it were true. <laughs> anyway, Jillian Anderson is media, and that scene with the Egyptian goddess 
that you're referring to is apparently well i guess i just spoiled it too if anyone hasn't read it i Mm. should edit that out no you gotta have to leave it now Mm. sorry guys part part of the bit (laughs) uh yeah but shadow moon looks right to me everything looks right wednesday looks right i can't wait and I probably said her name wrong anyway, so you'll be introduced to her and you won't know who who I'm talking about because I said said it wrong. So there you go. Be fine. See? Done. Done. Fixed. Problem solved. My own my own error will be your 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 saving grace. I, yeah, your grace just got saved. Yeah. Let's do Barrier Sword, which is our feedback not? from the audience. Uh shall where shall we start? Start with uh, the top one while I put the timestamp in the episode. Okay. Uh, have you ever <laughs> judged something unfairly? Uh, this is the thread that was started by Interstellar 5555. I want to make sure I got all the fives right. It says, we're only human. I'm guessing you probably have at some point. It's a nasty habit I have. Let me give you an example. I never used to love Doctor Who. I thought it, was, uh, it wasn't up to all that much, probably because I'd been spoiled by better looking shows like Star Trek. Then the show came back in 2005. I fell in love with it, and I'm working my way through the back catalog. When the film Kick-Ass was due to come out, saw a promotional picture for it, and I thought, ugh, green costume, not for me. Then I saw the trailer and ended up seeing the film three times, bought the comic book, and even the soundtrack. Uh, Phil adds to this thread, there are far too many things not to dismiss some without real evidence. Nobody has enough time to watch the first few episodes of every series to come on TV in order to judge whether they think it's worth their time. I personally don't bother watching soap operas or reality shows because just from the commercials and hearing others speak, I don't imagine they would appeal to me. Uh, so yeah, it's it's tough. And I've definitely had that happen where I wasn't being prejudiced. I wasn't being hateful, but I was like, oh, I don't know that I'm that interested. I'm going to prioritize something else. Mm-hmm. And then I somehow went back and watched something and was like, I was wrong. This is really, really good. To me, that happened with The Wire. I kept really? confusing The Wire with Oz. Oh, the, the, okay. the series that was about the prison. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sure it's good. I'm just not really interested in a crime story about prisons. I was like confusing <laughs> it in my head. And then I finally went back and watched it. And I was like, oh my gosh, every, everyone is right. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I was glad that I did. But it's hard. Like, there, it's not unjudging unfairly in the sense of being like, I'm just going to hate something with no reason. It's It's your filter of like, well, I have to choose what I spend my time on Mm -hmm. without having actually read it or watched it. So I have to make some calls. I'm trying to think when I, I'm sure I've done this before. I mean, I'm, I'm positive that I have, uh, it's, it's just kind of hard to think off the top of my head. I know I did. I mean, I did that with Dr. Who too. I didn't watch Dr. Who for, for years and years and years, mostly because I felt overwhelmed. Uh, I'm the type of person, I think we've talked on the show before, who when I like something, I get pretty obsessed with it. And I feel like I need to at least be able to speak knowledgeably about it. Um, And with Doctor Who, I felt like there was just so much content there that I was never going to be a big enough fan (laughs) to like know enough I need to know to be like a real Doctor Who fan. I feel that way about many anime series that people have recommended. Uh, It's specifically that, uh, I I can't, I I don't have time to become a a big enough fan Mm -hmm. to justify watching it so that I could say I watched it because then people want to talk to me even more. Exactly. They want to talk to you about it. And then you're like, well, I've I've seen the first two episodes. I really liked them, but... (laughs) I watched Princess Mononoke once, okay? Yeah. I don't remember much. I'm but sorry. I think it is it is good to sometimes I, I go a lot on my friends' recommendations. 
So if I see something and I'm like, mm, it doesn't look like it's for me. But if I hear like, you know, Tom say, oh, this was really great. I loved this. You should definitely check it out. I'll be like, oh, okay, I should check it out. I'm very susceptible that way. Um, and that usually gets me over that hump of my own personal biases. The Lies of Locke Lamora is an absolute example of that in reverse. I would have looked at In fact, when you picked it, I looked at the cover and I was like, oh, okay, typical you know, fantasy in the medieval town by the seaside. Mm -hmm. But Veronica says we should read it, so I'll give it a shot. And I adore that series. Uh, I love Locke Lamora. I love all of the characters. Uh, and I'm, I got swept up in it. And it's something I would never have picked up based on what little I knew about it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So yeah, don't, don't judge a book by its cover, as they say. Unless you're a used book sales person, and then you and I, we know. You, you got okay, to. You got to. You got it. That's it's your job. That's just the way it works. So we have a nice, uh, got a nice letter from Carrie, who's one of our Patreon backers. And uh, she's unfortunately unable to attend Mid-American in Kansas City this August uh, 17th to 21st. But she wanted to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to take her attending membership for the event. Now, I looked into it. It is possible to transfer attending memberships. They allow that. Okay. They allow that. They just so need an email. They just need the two people's email addresses okay. as confirmation. Um, so I thought we could open it up and Carrie agreed to our Patreon backers first to see if anyone was going to be around Kansas City or if they have some friends already going. It's already one. It's, it's, it's only rather one attending membership. So it's not like a pair. So you kind of have to either know people going or be comfortable going on your own. Um, but it's a really great opportunity. There's going to be tons of amazing authors there. Um, so yeah, if you're a Patreon Patreon backer and you're interested in going, uh, leave a comment on on the post uh, for this podcast on Patreon and uh, I'll message you and get your email address and we'll figure it out. Uh, and then if we don't get any Patreon people uh, who are able to attend, we'll open it up to the general audience on our forums uh, in a couple days. What if we get like 20? How are you going to pick? It's just going to be the first person first to respond. Person? All right. Yeah. All right. It's just whoever hears this person is going to be there. I mean, we don't have time to really set up a contest or anything, right. um, but we just want to give someone out there, a Sword and Laser member, uh, the opportunity to check out Mid-American. Um, ah, nice. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, I want to actually see who some of the authors uh, are going to be there, um, some of the guests that are going to be there, too. Oh, Tamora Pierce is going to be there. She's an author we've read on Vaginal Fantasy, Pat Cadigan. Um, Patrick and Teresa Nielsen Hayden. Uh, so there's a lot of great guests that are going to be there. So it, it just sounds like a lot of fun. And of course, you you can vote for the Hugos if you're an, if you're a member. Um, so that's another added benefit too if you're interested in participating in that. Excellent. Well, Kansas City is a lovely place. I've been there several times, uh, and I think y'all are gonna have a good time. Enjoy some Google Fiber. While you're there. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, now it is time for our book of the month discussion. Um, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, the August book pick is going to be The Last Wish, introducing The Witcher by Andrei Sapkowski. Sapkowski. I put it in parentheses for Sa you. But uh, the K, I don't know what to do with that K, that K in there. Sapkowski. Sapkowski? Sap. Sapkowski. Kov Ski. Sapkowski. Thank yeah. you. Okay. I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so, and as you said, 
these books predate the video game. So this isn't a proper tie-in novel. Yeah, we talked on the last episode about maybe doing a tie-in novel, which would have been a book based on the world of another media form, like a video game, for example. Um, this is the... The video game was adapted from the novels. Um, so what I like about this first book, there's some discussion going on on the internet about which is the best book to read first in this series. And uh, we decided to go to this one because it really introduces a lot of the uh, characters that you may know from the video game. So that might make it more fun for people who have played. It's a short story collection that's tied with a narrative thread throughout. Um, so there's seemingly disconnected but they also have a, a the the overarching uh, narrative storyline that's kind of trying to tie them together but they're all actually individually very good as well um, so you get to learn all about Geralt of Rivia in his quest uh, to to I don't know what he's gonna do in this particular book actually <laughs> um, but you're gonna see a lot of the characters uh, from the video game and from from uh, later novels and I'm excited about it and it seems like a lot of people on the forums are also very excited about it which makes me happy because that doesn't always happen um, so yeah that's that's kind of where we're at I'm looking forward to this one all right, we'll do a, I mean, that is almost a proper kickoff right there, but we will also do oh, yeah. a proper kickoff in the next <laughs> episode. Uh, we are about to get spoilery, folks. So if you haven't read Time Traders by Andre Norton, shut your ears down now, pull over slowly to the side of the road and stop your audible, <laughs> stop your podcast uh, player, uh, because now we're going to wrap up Time Traders by Andre Norton. Uh, Ooh, which, two Andres in a row, different Andres. Yeah. It's a it's an Andre double play on Sword and Laser these months. I liked it, and not everyone did. In fact, there is an entire thread uh, started by Anne about people who were disappointed. Now, it's I, I'll, I'll give people credit. Nobody's hating on it. They're not saying it was a piece of trash or anything. But people generally seem to think it slowed down midway. Uh, they didn't feel like it had enough descriptive elements to them. That it felt rushed. Uh, and they, some in some cases, couldn't finish. It isn't until we get down to good old Tassie Dave, message 16, <laughs> to find somebody who says, I'm surprised those who think it dragged. It was over so quickly for me. I liked it enough to read books two, three, and four. And Buzz said, I actually really like this book. It was a pleasant surprise. Wasn't that hard to overlook the dated timing, references to reds, etc.? And I found I enjoyed the story. And generally, he's not a fan of time travel books. Yeah, um, I, did I read the wrong book? I don't think no. so. Where is this? I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Where is the, the, the part about the, um, the other, the third guy that they pick up, uh, in, in the American West? In the American West? Yeah, did I read the wrong book? Did you read the wrong book? Did I read another book? because yeah, they never go to the American West. Did I read an additional book? They only go to uh, basically England, like I, Britain. Okay. I think I might have read another book. No, really? Like an additional book on top well, of okay. it. Okay. So did you read Time Traders plus another book? I like think a so. I think so. Oh, it was packaged. Because I did see it packaged together. Did I read so Galactic you, Derelict also? So you read you read two together. I um, did! 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> but you did read Time Traders. I did, yes. And then apparently I also read Galactic Derelict, which oh, okay. is the next book in the series. So you just I'm read like, more. I was like, where's Travis? Why Why isn't this this Wikipedia article talking about Travis at all? He was my favorite character. I really felt like the book picked up when they introduced Travis. Right. And, and you know what? That is something that I've read a lot even before we read this is that Time Traders itself uh, is an earlier work and that the series does get better and and we saw this uh with terry brooks as well a lot of people say well the series does get better in the second book once he once the characters have been worked out the world has been worked out a little more how is that even an ending to the book how is that what they come back to the present <laughs> and they've defeated the russians uh-huh. or the yeah. reds depending on which version mm-hmm. you're reading um and and that's it. That's the end. That's it's, hilarious. It's sort of a. It's not exactly a cliffhanger ending, but they. She definitely leaves it open for further adventures. Uh, but the but the aliens are gone, and they they still don't know what happened to them. Uh yeah. I you know I'm gonna have to to agree with the uh, the the progenitors of this thread. Uh, and uh, I I found it not great. I did not love it, at least not this first half. Um, I, like I said, I really strongly felt like the story picked up like after the ending of this book, apparently. Um, and that was what kind of saved it for me. And I had a lot of things to talk about in terms of, wow, you know, this was, things really changed when the next stuff started happening, which I can't talk about now because it's spoilery um, for the next series. Um, but, oh, man. I... I loved it. Uh, Good. And I don't know if it's because I love everything. No, I, I don't know if it's because <laughs> you love I'm time travel. A, I'm, I'm I am a fan of time travel. I'm a fan of British history, so including mm-hmm. the Beaker people as an element in this, you loved uh, that was great. Oh, you loved I got, that. I got very excited about that. I was like, "Ooh, the Beaker people in a story. This is awesome." And it was just a time travel story. It was very similar. Uh, to the time travel story that we read earlier this year until the aliens show up and it became a sci-fi story. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated with that idea that, you know, the aliens crash landed, couldn't do much about it. But then when one of us, you know, steals some time travel uh, paraphernalia and starts messing with them, they get going again uh, and they erase themselves from time. And that's why we don't have any evidence of them. And that could be explain some of the weird mythology we have in the past. It could explain these theories of the chariots of the gods, that the pyramids were built by space people and all of that. She doesn't ruin it for us by saying that, but it kind of leaves all those questions open. And I feel like this is definitely an example. Some people say, well, maybe it's not meant for the modern ear. I don't know that it's so much modern, but it's definitely an example of a book that leans on the reader to fill in the gaps a little bit. Uh, It is very efficiently written. It doesn't spend a lot of time on setting. It just advances story uh, so that you it's a page turner. And if that's not what you're expecting or it's not what Mm -hmm. you want or it's not what you're used to, I think you're going to enjoy it a lot less. I I did feel like it rushed through the things that I do typically enjoy, which sorry, I had to burp. Okay, Um, like like Ross just came around real fast to everything. He got on board really fast, and especially since he was essentially kind of kidnapped into this project. And then the thing I love most about this kind of book is like the training montage, and the training montage was over like instantly. 
He was just like good at everything. It was it was very felt married. But he wasn't. He wasn't as good as Ash. He wasn't as good as Ash, but Ash was set up to be like a perfect And yet Ash gets injured. And Mm -hmm. Ash, you know, like I don't think there's any Mary Sue's in here. Um, but Yes. Do we get a, a, a detailed description of the training he had to go, go through that has Neil Stevenson like research <laughs> okay. into, you know, all of the swordplay? No, you definitely <laughs> Maybe don't. Maybe I get wanted that. that. Right? That's weird because I usually yeah, complain and that, about and that. I think that's a, a fairly reasonable complaint is like, you know, I, if I'm going to get a historical novel, give me a little more history. You know why? Come on. You know why? I think it's because of the, um, what was the other one? The other time book that we just read? The one that I avoided mentioning earlier because I could oh, also not remember shoot, it. Because Tom, of my why are we getting memory. so old? When oh, did we- you know, that book about the things and the New York time and again. Time right? and again. Yeah, and yeah. I knew it had it had time in the damn name. Um, so in time and again, we get a pretty good like they really go deep into how it works and how the time travel works. And, and, wh- and it's a love letter to the history of New York City. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are, you, are you saying that because we said that so many times on that episode? Yes. It's a love letter to New York City. <laughs> but it's it really is. It's a love is. letter to New York City. It is uh, a love letter to New York and City. Time Traders is not a love letter to ancient Are you Britain. frozen? No, I'm not frozen. I thought you were just smiling indulgently at me, but you're frozen. No, it's uh, just a love letter to Skype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so this is just definitely not a love letter to ancient Britain. That's all I'm trying to say. It made it sound horrible. Yeah, I, well, it, it's not. A, it's it is an action. It is an action movie. It's an action book. It's very much like this happens. This happens. This fight. You know, you're, it's moving you from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. It's not spending a lot of time telling you the history. It's not spending a lot of time telling you how things work. And and don't get me wrong, I love that. I love Neil Stevenson books. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy this also when I'm like, yeah, just get me from place to place. Let's see what happens. And then I get surprised by aliens. It's a good time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. And then we have a post from Rob who says, uh, uh, called, uh, the rules of non-interference. He says, okay, I get that this is not the kind of book where we're supposed to be thinking too hard about the rules. It's one we're supposed to just let it take us on a fun ride. Uh, But I can't get myself away from being bugged by their attitudes towards interference. Tarps from a parachute can't leave that behind. Someone might stumble upon it and get a couple new ideas about weaving. But, and then he goes into spoiler territory, wipe out entire villages of people and thus in the future thousands of bloodlines? Yeah, that won't cause any problems. Uh, so does anyone have a way to make any sense of the rules here? Or should I just take a couple more drinks and shut that part of my brain up for the remainder? Well, okay. Uh, wiping out entire villages, if I'm not mistaken, only the Russians do that, right? right. And the aliens, I guess. Um, so... I don't know that they're playing by the rules. And I think that's the point is they they don't play by the same rules as the Americans. But they used to play by the same rules. Well, the Americans thought they, they thought did, they were. But the Russians are willing to go over that line. And I think that is a Cold War era choice that Andre Norton made to say, ah, but see, the bad guys will decide not to play by the rules when it works in their interest and the consequences be damned. What, the way I rationalize it in my head is they're both wrong. You can't change the past. Everything that happened back then happened and has already affected your future that you live in. So you can't go back and make things worse by wiping out a village because the village got wiped out because you're in the future and it already happened in the past. Yes. 
But they're not exactly prime directive over here. I mean, it, it still seems a little, even with the Americans, a little uh, flim-flammy. I didn't think so. That one doesn't bother me uh, because I, I feel like the Americans worried about the consequences of interference consistently. And mm -hmm. we don't really know what the Russians were up to or the Reds, depending on which version again. <laughs> I, I had the Russians version. I must have had like a later version of the book that combined the first two novels on Kindle. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had the reds uh, mm. and, and, uh, and, the, uh, and the bit about never making it to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a post from Daryl um, who says, I was curious, speaking of which, about what she updated in the 2000 version of the book. Turns out not much, possibly very minor spoilers uh, from Wikipedia. She reset the story in the first quarter of the 21st century instead of in the last quarter of the 20th, shifting the action futureward by a full generation. Uh, the Reds, as we said, have become the Russians and Greater Russia has replaced the Soviet Union. Space travel has not gone beyond the first lunar landings instead of not having gotten beyond the first attempts to put satellites into orbit. Uh, instead of being ridiculed as impossible, space travel, as you said, is publicly ridiculed as infeasible. So those are the big differences. Yeah, it's not that many, yeah. to be honest. Um, Which is good because that would like, you know, it, that's that's a hard thing to do to completely drastically change like a lot of points in, in a series like that. And honestly, the space travel thing in, in the unrevised version didn't stick out to me as much as the Reds. Mm. Uh, the stuff about the Reds, I kind of in my head said, well, Russia still uses red in their flag uh and we still sometimes maybe maybe that word comes back later maybe they reappropriate it i don't know uh that one was uh, you know i had to rationalize the one where they said you know they made it into satellites and then never went far beyond that only strikes you as weird if you think about like well why didn't you mention the moon landing but it it's it's not a, it's not wrong because mostly what we're i took i actually kind of read it before i knew this was a different version mm -hmm. as oh, well, we got the space shuttle program up and then we stopped it and we didn't really leave atmosphere ap mm. after that. It's it's basically, I took it to mean we got, when we stopped the space shuttle program, we never started up anything else again. I see. Okay. We never went to Mars or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So as I, as I said, I was, I was meh on this. It was not my favorite read. Um, but if you did enjoy it, I think the second book, Galactic Derelict, is actually pretty good. So if you liked what you read so far and want to continue, I, you know, you have my blessing. Bonus recommendation. <laughs> it was also a pretty fast read as well. Um, felt like almost like a normal sized book. You know, the first yeah. one only being I 150 mean, pages. Time Traders on its own is a short book. It was a mm -hmm. 50s pulp novel. Wasn't meant to be long. And it, that's part of the reason why it's written so fast. It's meant to be consumed at the beach, mm -hmm. you know, in your basement. Uh, it's meant it's meant to be read fast. That's that's what the publishers were looking for then. Uh, but Andre Norton is a good enough writer that I think she pulls it off well. I like how In the Basement was one of your examples there. And just a book um, you read in your basement. Because that's where I go to read sometimes. <laughs> well, you're in your basement right now, so. Yeah, and I, I read right sense. over there yeah, on the couch. Good. Yeah. Um, uh, just real fast before we, we wrap up the show. Um, I read a book for Vaginal Fantasy that I am absolutely obsessed with now. And I just wanted to recommend it in case anyone out there had a week to go. We have Vaginal Fantasies next Tuesday. Um, so if you want to catch up in time, it's called uh, Rhapsody, uh, Child of Blood. And it's uh, by Elizabeth Hayden. 
and I just loved it. And I'm reading the second book right now, Child of Earth. And it's just, I was surprised that the, the Goodreads ratings were not amazing. Um, like some of the reviews were, were kind of bad from people I follow. But I like I went into this with no expectations at all. Like I had no idea what I was getting into. I, I didn't remember talking about it on the show. I don't remember like who picked it. I think it was Kyla. Um, and, and I just started reading it like out of the blue on the flight over to to um, to Greece. And I was just blown away. Like the world building is insane. Like there's so much backstory to the world building and the characters are so in depth and I love it. And the series has been great so far and I'm halfway through the second novel already and they're not short. Um, so I, I definitely recommend that one. Rhapsody, Child of Blood, the first in the Symphony of Ages series by Elizabeth Hayden. So folks uh, who didn't mind being spoiled, tell your friends who didn't want to be spoiled about that recommendation in case they stopped. <laughs> right, that's right. Because uh, I, I want to throw out Aftermath Life Debt uh, by Chuck Wendig, mm. which is the second in the Aftermath trilogy that he's writing to fill in the gaps between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. It is so good. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people had issues with Aftermath, and I feel in retrospect that he was a little hogtied by what he was allowed to say because he couldn't say things that would spoil The Force Awakens, Ooh. which he is allowed to say now. Like, I don't know. Uh, well, maybe Princess Leia and Han Solo stuff. Okay, I'm, mm -hmm. I won't go into it. Uh, but yeah, Han Solo's in this book. Princess Leia's in this book. Sweet. So yeah, we, we get... Uh, we get a little more freedom to integrate the uh, series. And one of the stars of the book is Temin Wexley, a.k.a. Snap, a.k.a. Greg Grunberg. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of fun, too. Nice. Yeah. Greg uh, Grunberg's it, a nice so guy. So I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And so Chuck Wendig's a nice guy. So, so good many book. good people. So many good people. It's hard to, hard to remember sometimes that the world is, is typically made up of a lot of good people. A lot of silent good people. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you guys, you don't have to be silent. If you love the show, you can talk to us with your money, with your, I was going to say <laughs> dollars, and it turned to maulers, and I wanted to say money. Talk to us with your molars, even. <laughs> That's fine, too. Our show is entirely funded by our patrons. Uh, thank you to all the folks who pack our show. And don't forget, if you're a patron, leave a comment on this post, and we'll get you to Mid-American Con. Mid-American. Mid-American. Yeah. Thanks that to Carrie. The place. Uh, so head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Uh, you can also find the sword and laser.com slash picks page full of book ideas pulled from these very episodes. Uh, when we mention books on the show, I throw them up there on the picks page. You can find links to those books. And even if you click on that link or our Amazon banner, we get credit for anything you buy, like dog food or televisions or whatever. So that helps the show out too. Swordandlaser.com slash picks. Leave us a review on iTunes. We always love to see those. And if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com com slash sword and laser and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157 sword six we'll see you next time goodbye bye Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.